Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everyone? It's Michael Scotto, Hoopside.com's NBA writer and host of the Hoopside podcast. With the trade deadline in the rearview mirror, our Hoopside salary cap expert and my co-host, Yossi Geislin, joins me to preview the buyout market, who could sign an extension similar to what Patrick Beverly and the Timberwolves did, and more on today's episode. Yossi, as always, great to have you alongside me, co-hosting the pod. And, uh, you know, I think right now, the buyout market is something we should start with. Recently, Yossi wrote a piece on Hoopsype on the top uh, buyout candidates that could potentially hit the market. Be sure to check that out on Hoopsype.com uh, if you have not already. And Yossi, I think the first guy on the buyout market that's drawn a lot of buzz so far is Goran Dragic. Um, you know, for me, when you look at these teams that could potentially go after him, I felt like the two L.A. teams, the Los Angeles Lakers and the Los Angeles Clippers, could use him the most on paper, um, but they would have to make some roster moves there. Uh, the Milwaukee Bucks have interest in, in going after Goran Dragic as well. Um, I, you know, I think he'd be certainly a capable backup to Drew Holiday on that team and, and a team that Many believe in the East could be the favorite to come out and, and potentially win another title. Um, you know, looking at the other teams that, you know, are, are kind of playoff teams that have been linked to him a little bit. And you know, for the Golden State Warriors, to me, it seems like a little bit of a luxury uh, kind of signing if they went after a guy like him. I don't think they need Goran Dragic. Gary Payton, uh, the second, has been really good. And um, he's a guy that was featured on our Hoops Hype top free agent rankings for 2022 be sure to check that out as well and then when i looked at the bulls they had a lot of depth at point guard and you know with the brooklyn nets um i'm I'm, you know it's really curious how they play ben simmons and if eventually new york city changes the uh vaccine mandate um and the mask mandate as some other states have because then Kyrie can play in the home games um when, when you were looking at goron's potential market what did you foresee when you were evaluating it? So Goran Dragic is all, he's already the first buyout bought out player. He's off the board and he's available. Um, the thing with the Dragic is I'm envisioning that wherever he goes, it'll, I don't think he's going to get as big of a role that a lot of people might think. Like, I don't, I'm not sure he's, he's going to even be, he's guaranteed to be, a primary point guard off the bench. Um, so, for example, there's the Heat. Uh, they can re-sign him now. And I'm a little surprised they aren't involved. And I think, like, they haven't been mentioned as a suitor. And I think that's a really good situation for him, not only because they have a really strong chance to win a championship, and that might be important to him, winning a ring with the Heat, but they've got enough help in the backcourt where they're not really going to depend on him 
where they've got off the bench, they got Tyler Hero. I think Gabe Vincent could be could give enough to to be in the playoff rotation. Uh, Victor Oladipo will see how he looks when he comes back. So I think there could still be a, a tertiary role for Goran Dragic in there. Um, but so far, they haven't been mentioned. Uh, Dallas, they're a team that have been linked the most to Dragic since the beginning of the offseason. And now that they have Dinwiddie, the backcourt's very crowded there, so they don't seem like a fit anymore. Um, after that, I, you mentioned the Lakers and Warriors. Warriors, that seems like a really good fit. They uh, they don't really I wouldn't I don't really think they have like a like a like a great ball handler off the bench uh, like a like a primary playmaker off the bench so that could be a really good fit seems like if he wants to go with a team where he'll have the best chances to win a title there's Miami Phoenix Warriors the Bucks there uh, Woj says that they're trying to go after him pretty hard. Um, but I'll say this. I don't think money is going to be an advantage in the buyout market. It, it just never really has been. And it showed last year when the Nets, they got Blake Griffin and LaMarcus Aldridge on the minimum. And they had their full mid-level and the big disabled player exception that was worth just as much. And so it just seems like, for the most part, players that get bought out, these veterans, are looking for certain specific opportunities um, the money, like the Warriors, for example, they saw their, a good chunk of their mid-level, like a little over four mil. I'm not, I, one, I don't think they're going to want to use it, uh, to, to bring a player just for the last third of the season, but I don't really think that's giving, I don't, I'm not sure that's what a lot of these veterans are looking for. Yeah. And I mean, look, you know, when he did his buyout, I'm sure he got around the number that he would get back anyway on a minimum deal anyway you know it's usually that's pretty standard yeah like usually that's that's what those veteran guys do anyway unless you're talking a lot of money like obviously blake griffin and kemba walker did but those are you know rare bigger exceptions on guys with multiple years um not a veteran in the last year of his deal Mm -hmm. another guy you'll see that i'm keeping my eye on is certainly tristan thompson um for me i think uh he's a guy that could be a part of a playoff rotation and help a team. Um, to me, the Los Angeles Lakers are a team to keep an eye on should Tristan Thompson agree to a buyout with the Indiana Pacers. Uh, certainly has a lot of relationships there, and I certainly think his, his rebounding ability would help. Yes, the Lakers have a, a bunch of centers, but um, with that said, they could always wave one of them uh, and, and certainly look to make an upgrade there. Um, I, I think Tristan's a guy that you got to keep your eye on for sure there. Right. I, I With the, the, the clutch connections aside, they do need another big man. They're not – their primary centers right now are Anthony Davis and LeBron James. If they could use another actual center size guy in there, and uh, he'd certainly be an upgrade over DeAndre Jordan. So that's definitely something I could see happening. You know, what's funny, another – former Laker has been talked about a lot as a potential guy that could hit the buyout market, Dennis Schroeder. And, you know, Yossi, when I look at Dennis Schroeder and Eric Gordon in the backcourt for the Houston Rockets, it it just, on paper, it just doesn't seem like a fit for the Rockets in their rebuilding phase. Now, Eric Gordon, um, obviously a different story guy that has uh, 
a trade value going into the summer. Uh, again, I was shocked that uh, he wasn't moved now, um, but he could certainly be moved over the summer. Uh, Dennis Schroeder, uh, interesting scenario there. I wonder if he's going to try to get on a contending team, but he's also got a, a big free agent year to to worry about for himself. So I don't know. Does he stay there and, and try to, you know, pad his stats a little bit? But I don't see that necessarily being a fit either because they've got to develop Jalen Green. You know, they just signed Dacian Nix to a four-year, $6 million deal. And the first two years of that deal is guaranteed. And, the, you know, after that, you've got non-guaranteed years starting year three, as I had you know, just tweeted and reported for Hoops Hype. But, um, you know, I would think they're going to be trying to prioritize the younger guys and develop them. So to me, you know, Dennis Schroeder, I, I thought was a guy that would certainly be in the conversation for that. I'm curious, you know, depending on what happens with the Goran Dragic market, where he can end up going. It's all it's all still early, but these are things to look at uh, coming up in the weeks ahead. Yeah, so not a good long-term fit there. Not a not a great fit right now either. He should definitely get some minutes off the bench, but not enough where he's being show, showcased for free agency. I, I feel like he was probably getting a better opportunity in Boston. So I could see this going down where he you'll play uh you'll play a little bit uh there's there's still some time before uh, a player can be waived and uh before that deadline to retain to be waived and retain playoff eligibility that's March 1st and so I think with with Schroeder he needs to wait like is this a good opportunity for me to 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 boost my stock and the but the other thing about it not being a great long-term fit is um, I'm not sure. I don't, I don't really see unless like, you know, he, he plays really well and he's a really good presence in the locker room. I'm not I don't really see why Houston needs to resign him. So his then his non-bird rights don't really have any value. So I think they'll, you know, they'll play him for a little bit. They'll try it out for a couple of weeks. And I wouldn't be shocked that as we get towards March 1st, maybe this does head toward the buyout. Is there any chance Schroeder could be a, a sign and trade candidate when you look ahead towards, let's just say that he ends up staying in Houston. Is, th- is there any value in that from a cap perspective and having him as a sign and trade guy this summer? Well, for Houston, maybe they could get a, a second round pick, some cash out of it, but uh, he's ba- he's basically limited to his, uh, his non-bird amount, seven, which is seven mil. And we were both talking about earlier in the season how Boston can have some trouble resigning him because he was pretty underpaid this season. He's like, you know, it was pretty much agreed that he was one of the more underpaid guys this offseason. And now I'm starting to feel like he'll, he should probably, he should definitely get that non bird amount, but I'm not too sure if he's going to be getting that much more. So, um, if that, with that said, that much more you can is like the full mid level. So I think if there's a team that really wants him, they could they could probably there's a good chance they could probably get him in the off season. I think. You know, it's interesting that you know Schroeder. It, it's not 
you don't know yet for sure if he is going to hit the market. He's got a, they've got an interesting decision away there in, in Houston. Um, you know, two other guys that some around the league wondered if they would become buyout guys are both on the Orlando Magic. You've got Gary Harris and you've got Robin Lopez now. Gary Harris is a guy who's averaged about 30 minutes a game in Orlando. I'm not sure that's a buyout guy. You know, you you know, before the trade deadline, I, I asked someone if he was going to be a potential buyout candidate, and, and a source close to Harris said he didn't believe so. Um, that that thinking has kind of seemed to be on track because you're not in my opinion, you're not giving a guy a buyout that you're playing 30 minutes a game to. I mean, I know Orlando's had some guard uh, depth issues with injuries and things like that. And, and he certainly, you know, had an opportunity there where he's been playing a lot. So I think from one, a free agency standpoint, you're not going to want to leave that to go somewhere else. And you don't know for sure what your role is going to be. Um, you know, with Gary, I would think, if anything, he's still young enough where at 27 years old, he's – I wouldn't think necessarily going to be trying to join a playoff contender. I think, if anything, he's going to try to be in the best situation to secure his financial future, and that's getting minutes and playing for the Orlando Magic. Now, on the flip side of that, you've got Robin Lopez, who's 33 years old. Um, you know, I, I'm not surprised at all that – um, you know, he was a guy that drew some trade interest around the deadline. Ultimately, nothing came of it. But a lot of teams could use a good backup center, and Robin Lopez fits that bill. Um, Orlando loves his veteran presence. He provides in the locker room and as a mentor to Mo Bamba and Wendell Carter. I think he's a little bit more of an intriguing guy, still uh, not sure yet what's going to happen with him. Gary Harris, I think, is more unlikely than a lot of people thought, though I think with Gary, it was more people having him on uh, their wish list as opposed to it happening at this point. Uh, ultimately, I agree with you. I doubt he gets bought out. I, I mentioned him in my article just because he j- just given the circumstances, he's he's like pretty good veteran. Uh, he's on expiring contract. He's on a bad team. You put all these factors together, kind of makes sense why you you would you, he would be a buyout candidate. Uh, but I I think yeah ultimately he's playing a little too well. Um, and if you're Gary Harris, I this is a pretty good situation right now. You're you starting getting thirty minutes. Uh, he's looking really good. Uh, if you know it, it seems. Seems like there's, you know, wherever he goes, he could, if he leaves, he could be taking a risk with a, if a, if it's not a great, if it's not a better situation, and so he's on a, he's in a pretty good situation right now. It, I guess the only reason he would get bought out is if he requests one, but I mean, yeah, it doesn't seem like that's gonna, like that's gonna be happening. So uh, ultimately, I agree. I think he'll he'll stick around, and then Robin Lopez, Orlando just seems like a team they not too not too into doing buyouts. I remember last year, Otto Porter was a big buyout candidate. He was a guy that, you know, there was no long-term future there in Orlando and they ultimately just let finish the season with him, with him. So I could see them just deciding to do the same thing with Gary Harris and Robin Lopez. You mentioned the veteran presence. Yeah, that's pretty important right now. The magic, 
uh, I, them in Detroit have the two worst records in the league, a lot of young talent. Um, yeah, might as well just keep them there and see, maybe you can, uh, maybe there's some tra- sign and trade possibilities in the off season. Maybe you bring them back on a good rate. So yeah, I, they'll probably stick around. Speaking of guys that could stick around, we just, uh, saw recently Patrick, what Patrick Beverly, excuse me, uh, do an extension with the Minnesota Timberwolves. And, you know, I don't think a lot of people realize necessarily that guys can still sign extensions. You know, most people think of like teams doing rookie scale extensions and stuff before the season, but you've got other guys that could still, um, do extensions. Um, you know, I know you and I have kicked around a a couple of candidates. I'll, I'll throw a few out there to you. Um, you know, that, I I think could be a possibility. I'm not saying they're gonna, but, um, you know, when you look at a guy that going into the free agent market, there's a sense of a mutual interest there in both him wanting to return and the team wanting to bring him back. One guy stuck out to me. So Yusuf Nurkic is the second best center available on the free agent market after DeAndre and as reflected in our uh, Hoopsite 2022 free agent rankings. Uh, there's mutual interest in Nurkic remaining a Blazer past the season, I've heard, from both his, uh, his side and as well as the Blazers themselves. He was not moved at the deadline, even though they had gotten rid of a bunch of other uh, veterans, something to keep note of for sure. Um, he's a guy I look at that um, I, I don't know if he does an extension, but certainly a guy that could be in the mix to be brought back. But if he was going to do an extension, theoretically, what what could that look like, Jose? So Nurkic can get up to four years, $64.5 million right now. That's the most he can get. And if and we'll get into Portland's cap space situation in a little bit. But one thing that I, I could see happening, and you know, I'm not sure if this is something Nurkic would want, but as far as Portland – Maybe they want to give him an extension that keeps his trade eligibility, uh, keep you know doesn't doesn't lock him to be uh, doesn't make him untradeable for six months. So like the Wolves, for example, they gave Patrick Beverly one year, thirteen million. Uh, there's no trade restriction with that extension. They can trade him as soon as the offseason begins for them. So maybe they want to give Nurkic something where where the extension doesn't exceed those uh, limits. So he could be trade eligible immediately again. Uh, it would have to be no more than two years, about 26 million. Again, not a, I think Nurkic can probably get a bit more than that, but that's just something to keep in mind. Cause look, there's still a lot of players that are eligible for extensions, mainly pl- just mainly players on expiring contracts we saw a lot of players sign extensions last offseason. We saw just as many sign in the previous offseason. So now that the trade dust has settled and there's uh, a lot of, you know, there's a lot of teams now, they kind of know what their cap situation is heading into next season. They have a clear picture of, of how much more money they can add. I think some more extension talks are going to start to heat up, not by a lot. But some you just saw also Dallas, they locked down Dorian Finney Smith for four uh four years fifty-six mil. So yeah, just I think there's gonna be maybe like a handful of players that sign extensions before the end of the season. 
it's fun. You know, you mentioned Dallas, you know, Jalen Brunson is eligible for an extension, but, um, you know, when you talk to executives around the league, they always felt Dallas would keep either Brunson or Dorian Finney-Smith long-term because uh, of luxury tax implications coming up. And now Dorian Finney-Smith extended. Um, you know, Jalen Brunson, I I mean, could they keep him? Maybe, but um, I think Jalen Brunson's a guy that could be a sign-and-trade candidate this summer after the acquisition of Spencer Dimwitty. And I certainly think he can get more money than his current extension um, that's he could get the same extension as Dorian Finney-Smith, right? Right. That's the that's what he can get right now. I figure he can probably get a little more than that if if he enter if he enters free agency. Not a not a crazy amount more, but a, a good amount more. And it'll be interesting to see how Dallas proceeds. There was a, an interview with Mark Cuban. He said, "Oh, we're going to be in luxury tax hell next year, but then we'll get we'll be past it." Uh, something along those lines, which would imply that, yeah, they intend on re-signing Jer- uh, Jalen Brunson. Uh, they're already going to be over the luxury tax next season with their current roster. Uh, and if they get Brunson back on something more than what Finney Smith got, then they're going to be like way over. They could be somewhere like 20 mil or so over. Um you know, that's not quite – this is not quite a roster I think is worth paying the tax. So I'll be interested to see how they proceed if they really are willing to pay the tax because otherwise maybe they could try to move off some of their other existing players like Hardaway or Dwight Powell, Trey Berg, just to name a few, to try to duck the tax. But you bring up the sign-and-trade possibility. I do think that's a very realistic one. A lot of players that – a lot of these players that are like former second round picks that turn out really good. A lot of their original teams do tend to like sign and trade them, maybe get like a late first round pick, something like that. Um, so yeah, with Dallas now, they've got a very loaded backcourt. They got Dinwiddie for another year, at least I can see them. I, 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 despite what's being said that they want they intend on keeping him. I also wouldn't be surprised if, they ultimately uh, sign and trade him. There was a lot of smoke around the New York Knicks with Jalen Brunson looking ahead towards the summer and them having interest in him. NBA executives I've spoken to around the league are split as to whether the rumblings about the Knicks having interest in Jalen Brunson will ultimately come to fruition or if they're being used as a leverage play to try to get uh, more money and boost his market going into the summer. Uh, be interesting to see. He certainly has plenty of ties to Leon Rose, who represented his dad, Rick Brunson, and they they have close family ties there. Um, you know, the, the Pistons have members of their front office who like Jalen Brunson. I've, I've said that on the podcast before. Uh, Mitchell Robinson is another name the Pistons are monitoring, looking ahead to free agency, I've heard as well. Yeah, they can extend Mitchell Robinson right now. He'll be unrestricted otherwise, so they could risk losing him. Uh, he's played really well this season. Uh, definitely, I I think long-term, definitely want to try to keep him if you can. Seems like the Knicks do want to maintain their 2023 cap flexibility, though. Uh, they're Right now, we're thinking they're not going to have cap space there, assuming they give R.J. Barrett a big extension. 
But there, there are things they could do to create more space, if, whether they move Randall or Fournier. But, yeah, an, a Mitchell Robinson extension could also interfere with that. So um, it'll be – I'm just definitely one of the better players available right now that can extend. But, I don't know, the Knicks have, have delayed uh, Mitchell Robinson's future for so long. They could have extended him last season, haven't could have uh, declined his team option and re-signed them to a long-term deal this last offseason, did not do that. So seems like they're seems like they might just take this to free agency. Yeah, and it's interesting. Maryland's Noel was talked about in the three-team trade discussions with the Knicks, Lakers, and Raptors, as I previously reported on Hoops Hype. I mean, Maryland's Noel is a Tibbs guy. He's a Tom Thibodeau guy. But it's worth noting, like, Knicks management has wanted some of the young guys to play, like Cam Reddish. Um, I would assume the same can be said for Opie Toppin, Emmanuel Quickly. Um, you know, on paper, you'd think Mitchell Robinson is the future there. Um, you know, New York kind of took a chance in, in letting him get to this point, as you said, where they didn't extend him and um, they didn't let him go into restricted free agency. They picked up his... Uh, team option instead so now i think it's going to be interesting to see what the market bears his numbers over the past few years when he's been on the court have been pretty consistent you know what you're getting in mitchell robinson i'm curious what that's going to equate to on the free agent market there are a lot of centers on this market coming up and you know you look at guys like mo bamba mitchell robinson yasuf nurkic montrez harrell somebody's going to get squeezed and i'm curious to see who uh that ends up being and, and i'm sure you'll see that I'm, I'm probably even missing other names as well i mean obviously deandre Ayton is going to hit the market too but um i certainly don't think he's going to get squeezed but some of those other tier guys i'm curious how the money is going to flow you've got you know bobby portis as well um someone is most likely not going to get paid what they want so i'm curious to see who that's going to end up being yeah, uh, not a lot of cap space out there. And I think uh, for a lot of these centers, uh, I think a, a sign and trade might be their best route to getting paid. And just real quick, a few others that just came to my mind. You got Thomas Bryant, you've got Andre Drummond, you've got Nicholas Claxton, uh, Avika Zubak. So, I mean, yeah, somebody's getting squeezed. Um, but other than that, you know, You've got a guy, uh, another guy that's eligible for a contract extension that I think is at least worth entertaining. Lou Dort on the Oklahoma City Thunder. He's only made a couple of million dollars so far in his career. And I could see him wanting life-changing money if Sam Presti's willing to put it on the table. Um, what could potentially his uh, extension look like and... I don't know. Like, do you think that's even a realistic possibility as a as a cap guy? Yeah, I would actually think that Lou Dort's one of the more likelier extensions I get done, uh, mainly because Oklahoma City they're not going to have any cap space this off season, and they also um, if if Lou if they uh, if they let if, if they get a Dort onto if they continue Dort's contract in the next season and they don't extend him and they just let him become a free agent, then he'll be unrestricted in the summer of 2023. 
So also the risk of losing him makes sense to lock him down now. And I think he's played well enough where you can he can possibly justifiably get the four for 56 that Dorian Finney-Smith got. Um, so he can get that right now where they decline his, uh, his team option amount for next season and just start him making a 12 mil. They can also structure it where he, where they, uh, keep the team option, but then the extension kicks in after that. So it'd be like three for 40 mil. And that's what Daniel Gafford did that same exact structure. So ultimately, I think they will. I, if I had to bet, I think they'll work something out. Uh, he becomes extension eligible next month, and we'll see exactly how they structure it because they do still have some cap space they could use this off season uh, that can be money that goes into next year. So if they're they got so you know if they're going to use all that cap space and give Dorton extension that starts next year then all of a sudden there could be some some tax issues. So I would I, I think something could get done. My feeling maybe they do they structure where he has uh the he, he they run one more year of him on the minimum and then it, it kicks in after. Uh we'll see how they do it. I, I but I think they might want to do it that way. You think there's any chance a guy like Thaddeus Young uh gets an extension with Toronto? I mean this is a guy that they gave up a first round pick for, which still surprises me now. Uh, you know, if you would ask me to put my poker chips in the center of the table, whether Thaddeus Young would get a first round pick or not, I would have said no. Toronto paid up. You would think that after doing that, um, they would have incentive to keep him long term. Now, I don't know if that's with an extension or they re-sign him this offseason, but was curious your thoughts on that Um how that could work and from a cap perspective. Yeah. With, like with Dort and very similar to what Minnesota gave Patrick Beverly, I could see Thaddeus Young getting something very similar. Uh, the, the Raptors, they've got a lot of space below next year's luxury tax. They have all like, they already have like 10, 11 players on the roster heading in the next season. So I could see them giving him a one like a one or two year extension, uh, you know, especially after what they went out and got him. Um, it, it, this is one I could definitely see getting. Uh, it, it can be extended now on a on a one or two year extension. So uh, this is one uh, you know I'm sure they'll try him out first, just make sure everything works, and assuming the fit works out, uh, yeah, why not lock him down for another year at least? Yeah, and you know, to me. I thought that the Thaddeus Young price tag was a bit high in the first round uh, pick at the trade deadline, but that wasn't the only thing that surprised me at the deadline. The Oklahoma City Thunder didn't really use their cap space yet to absorb a bad contract. So what can they do now with that money that they have kind of looking ahead as we get ready towards uh, you know the end of the season and, and then the draft uh, coming up in the off season. So uh, I, I remember last month I wrote something about how teams like OKC and Orlando, they've got either all these big trade exceptions or some cap space. They could have taken on a lot of bad money. And I really felt that these teams might take on like a ton of money. And let's just say that article aged very poorly. So the, the Thunder, 
They still have all their, all their cap space left over. The only moves they did was acquiring KZ Akpala on a minimum contract, and they converted Aaron Wiggins. And so the, the salary this year, they only gave him one mil. So they've got approximately $31.8 million in cap space remaining this season. So they can still use it in the offseason, but before the new league year rolls in. So as soon as their season ends, they can they can do they can do trades where they take on more salary with that cap space. Uh, that that obviously the players have to be under contract for next season. Um, so they could be now a team that makes a big draft day trade, and um, maybe there's some teams that are still looking to unload a little more salary to reduce their luxury tax bill or their uh, for next season, or they're looking to create a little more uh, cap space for the upcoming off season. So I, I would imagine they'll do, I, they'll, I imagine they'll do something. Maybe they don't want to use up all 30 million, but it's still, a, they still have a big opportunity right there before the, before July 1st to, to take in some big salary and try to get some more picks. Now on the flip side though, you did have some teams that made moves at the deadline that created more cap space heading into the offseason, the Portland Trailblazers getting rid of Norman Powell and Robert Covington. And then you've got Indiana, you know, trading DeMontis Sabonis. And, uh, you know, they've got some other guys. You know, we've, we've talked about uh, the possibility of uh, them making further moves. You know, I reported on Hoopsype about Malcolm Brogdon being a guy that uh, many executives around the league think that they'll uh, trade in the offseason. You know, Buddy Heald as well as a guy that they could flip. Um you know, and, and with Portland, uh, they've still got to figure out what they're going to do with Eric Bledsoe. But when you look at the landscape heading into the uh, offseason right now with, with the cap space for teams, you know, uh, aside from Oklahoma City, uh, what do you see for the remaining teams? So before the trade deadline, there were approximately just three teams that were going to have significant cap space, the Spurs, Pistons. And Magic, and now Portland and Indiana got into the mix. But uh, let's look at the Spurs. So they did they did a surprising like they did a surprising amount of midseason trades, um, and they still I still have them able to to generate the most cap space. They can generate somewhere between twenty five to thirty four mil. Um, that the and that mainly. Uh, the more non-guaranteed players they cut, the more cap space they could have. So if they they have like four players that are non-guaranteed, if they were to cut all of them, then you're getting closer to that 34 million projected projection I have. And by the way, all these projections, I have them with like an accurate estimate of what their draft pick would be if the season ended now. Uh, I'll, and I'll update those periodically. Uh, Detroit, I've got them right under the Spurs. They can generate somewhere between 24 to 30 mil. This is assuming they get a top three pick and they could get closer to 30 mil if they decline some of their team options. Uh, they've got uh, Hamu Diallo, uh, Frank Jackson, Luca Garza. They've all got some team options. So my, I would guess they might have, be on the lower end of that uh, range, maybe because I, I think they might want to keep all those guys. So yeah, like mid to low twenties for them. Uh, and then 
you got Orlando. Uh, I've got them at around 28 mil, assuming they get a top three pick as well. They could have taken on a lot of big money at the trade line. Like I mentioned earlier, they had a 17 million trade exception, but it expired. They only took on like Bull Bull and PJ Dozier as their biggest, as the biggest money, bad money they took in. So a uh, good chance I, I could see them using all that cap space, all 28 million or so of it. Uh, mainly because I don't really see them re-signing any of their own free agents, except maybe Mo Bamba. And then you got Portland and Indiana, and I think Portland, so they can generate about 31 mil or so, but their their situation is very TBD just because uh, that 31 million projection does not include uh, the return of Anthony Simons and Yusuf Nurkic. If they wanted to bring both of them back in free agency, they basically wouldn't be a cap space team anymore. But they can still uh, kind of have artificial cap space with their trade exceptions. They've got a big 21 million trade, uh, 21 million trade exception. They've got a six and a half million trade exception. So you can use those trade exceptions to take on uh, to sign and trade for players they're interested in or to take on other bad money with some picks attached. And then also you still have the MLE left over and then you could re-sign Simons and Nurkic. So as of now, I'm I'm thinking that's the path they'll take because you just have more spending power that way versus that versus just 30 mil, but not bringing back uh, Simons or Nurkic. And they've talked about trying to be a team that's, trying to win with Dame and as more of a reset than a, uh, a, a rebuild. So certainly worth uh, keeping an eye there when it comes to Portland for sure. Whereas a team like Detroit still more in a, in a rebuild and, and you could say the same for uh, San Antonio as well. Right. And then the last one you got Indiana, they got into the mix after getting off uh, uh, Sabonis and they also, um, the, the I mean, mainly because they got off Levert actually uh, getting off his money for next season. That and Justin Holiday's that really put him in a position that significant cap space. I've got them at around 24 mil, but I think they'll end up having more than this. And mainly because you, know, you got Malcolm Brogdon, Miles Turner, but he healed. I'm sure they're all available. Uh, you also got TJ McConnell. Uh, basically anyone other than Halliburton, uh, Duarte, Isaiah Jackson, I'm, I'm assuming can be had. And if you could just, if the Pacers can just trade maybe one of those guys, save, you know, you don't have to get off of them completely, but just save some money by trading one of those guys. I could see them getting over 30 million in cap space this off season. So, and they also don't have any meaningful free agents to resign unless they want to bring back TJ Warren on, on a one year, make good deal. doesn't seem like he's coming back anytime soon, but other than that, I, I would look for them to make a couple, like another cost cutting move to really maximize their cap space this off season. Lots to look forward to heading towards the buyout market, potential guys that could still get extended before the end of the current NBA season. And then looking ahead towards the draft and the off season, Appreciate you as always coming on, breaking it down with me with your salary cap expertise, my man. My pleasure, Mike. Thanks for joining me again, Yossi. I also want to thank everyone else for tuning in. If you want to hear more episodes of the Hoopside podcast with guest appearances from NBA players, coaches, executives, 
media members as well. You can like and subscribe to it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. You can also keep up with my tweets on Twitter, at Mike A. Scotto. Make sure you're following Yossi too, at Yossi Goslin, Y-O-S-S-I-G-O-Z-L-A-N. Until next time, I'm your host, Michael Scotto, wishing you and yours all the best. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.